I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners. Tell them when. Every single two black, two About to pop a blood vessel in my forehead, getting that one out. Hey, it's the last one of 2021, though. We gotta be hyped going yes, sir. into 2022. Thank you guys for so much of the support over this past year, bro. It's been crazy. Insane. Instagram taken down. Instagram re-updated. Went to Kansas City. Went to New York City. Had some went to Oregon. Shoot. Like it was a, it was a crazy trip. Crazy times. Did a live podcast. We're interviewing people on. We did a lot of stuff this year. We did <laughs> we did a ton, bro. And like if y'all listen to the last podcast, y'all just know how grateful we really are for all the support y'all give us every yes, single yes, two black yes. tuesday on the reading report or two black runners man and y'all have provided a bunch of opportunities for us and you know 2022 baby here we come we gonna yeah, do it bigger we, we gonna do it better we ready we ready but today we're celebrating we're celebrating yes, sir. we got our midnight gala for track smith you feel me going down but unfortunately like midnight gala was going down brother we're gonna have nick willis go out there break the four minute barrier for the 20th consecutive year in the row First person to ever do that for 20 straight years. Going to break his own record for consecutive years streak being sub four. But unfortunately, Tracksmith released a statement canceling the event, the Midnight Gala, the Tracksmith Midnight Gala, saying that due to escalating COVID-19 cases in New York City and around the U.S., we have made the decision to cancel the Midnight Mile Gala on December 31st, 2021 at the New Balance Track and Field Center at the Armory. Nick Willis's sub-4 attempt will take place in a private setting without spectators. Now, that sucks, but we're still going to have our Midnight Gala back here. That's yes, why we got the tie on. If you watch yes, it on the sir. YouTube, we got the bow yes, tie sir. on. You feel me? I got my blazer because we still dressed up. Celebrate up. good times. Come on. Yep, that's how we do it right yes, here. Two sir. Black Tuesday celebrating New Year's Eve, cooking off into 2022. And it's going to be amazing to see what's still going down. Tracksmith put on an amazing thing, even with the Tracksmith Foundation. That's what this is all going Shout to. Shout out Russell Dinkins, bro. The savior. Not all heroes wear capes. Tell Some of them got dreads. You know yep. what I'm saying? And my and brother. Shake them. My, yeah, shake them dreads. My brother, <laughs> Russell Dinkins. Bro, this guy started off just writing letters to save track and field. Started Instagram accounts. Now my boy got a whole foundation. Yep. Teaming up with Tracksmith. Teaming up with the Amazing. boy, Matt Taylor, to do something special, bro. Being proactive and track. We don't. We got to stop being reactive of course you got to react to things but to be proactive and have these programs already in place so when somebody try to take us down we ready for it so i'm just super proud to to be you know i'm super proud that you know we've been able to like talk to wrestle yeah. and just to, just to be like associated with them ever in my life like that's just dope you know because that dude is doing special things, really. Most definitely. Game changer, bro. Most definitely, bro. Tracksmith Foundation has a purpose of to give more people the opportunity to participate in track and field. And we've seen that over 2020 and 2021. Like, that's getting taken away from college sports. So if you want to donate to Tracksmith Foundation or if you just want to learn more, just visit tracksmithfoundation.org to learn more and possibly donate to their great cause that they're going out in Tracksmith. Tracksmith has some great opportunities. And, like, it's been really a pleasure just to work with them. Yeah, bro. Tracksmith really has been killing it though you can't lie i mean the clothes they make is dope but regardless of that they've just been so involved in the culture whether it's the tracksmith foundation or it's like how they sponsored all those amateur not amateur but pros that needed a little bit of help sponsoring them at the olympic trials so like what tracksmith what y'all have done over this past year for for the past two years during covid for people in the game has been amazing our first sponsor ever yeah so like hey dude hey hey, hey matt taylor matt 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 if you listening to this bro i just had an idea you need to have a little <laughs> zoom party or something or you need somebody to still commentate over it you know virtually like we here 
we here. Just hey, throwing that out there. And we in the same place today. We in the same place today. Yeah. As you see, we usually we're doing it through Zoom. He in Santa Barbara. I'm at the, the crib, running for headquarters. You feel me? Yes, Eastville, California. But today, before we filmed this, we actually did an interview with Nick Willis talking about his sub four attempt, talking about the Midnight Gala, which won't, will, unfortunately will not be happening. But still, him attempting to be the first person to break the sub four 20 times is amazing so we got to talk to him as a legend you guys are gonna listen to that right now in the podcast and afterwards me and aaron have some analysis to really dive deeper into this this is our new year's eve special our last podcast of 2021 we can't let nick willis get all the shine we can't let him get all the shine you know you feel me we gotta <laughs> give it our two cents and talk about this as well That's and really just close out the new year of how close out the new year did the mile is a great event we love talking about the mile so i'm going to talk about that afterwards but first let's just get into this interview let's do that Yes, sir. Without further ado, the homie, the one, the only, the New Zealand legend, Nick Willis. Let's get it. Hey, bro, bro. We got basically right now for this generation, the godfather of the mile, bro. He has a silver Olympic medal in, in the 1500, a bronze Olympic medal in the 1500. He's been a four-time world championship finalist in the 1500. He's a Michigan legend, multiple NCAA All-American for Michigan as well. Go blue. He has broken four minutes in the mile, 19 years in the row. This man's a machine, an Ironman, everything in between. I'm talking about Nick Willis, the New Zealand GOAT, joining us on the podcast here today, bro. Nick, just how's everything going? How's that like how, how's it going, bro? You about to break four minutes for the 20th time through in, the, in your life, like throughout the years. How's it all going? Guys, what an honor. Um, thanks for waking me up, first and foremost. That's the best <laughs> introduction I've ever heard in my life on any part. And I've got goosebumps tingling on my arms right now. Um but as you said, I'm a veteran. I'm an old guy. I was taking an afternoon cat nap, and I only just woke up for my alarm for this, for this interview. So you guys have probably woken me up. But now it's an honor to be here, and I'm I'm excited. Um, not long now to this to this race, and hopefully, um, we're not going to disappoint the fans. And um, but most of all, just going to have a, a good old fun time at the midnight mile at the Armory. Nick, twenty consecutive years of breaking four in the mile. That's what we're going for here. Like one thing when me and Joshua are like going through our rundown, thinking about questions to ask, one thing I was just curious about is like, what is your, what is your training like these days? Like you were just at the, uh, at the Olympics. Like, what was that break like? Are you planning to like run a world champs this year? Were you kind of just chilling at home? And then you're like, you know what? I need to get this 20 years in a row. What does that look like right now? <laughs> uh, it definitely had no rhyme or reason to it. My break. Um, I actually kept running for another week after the Olympics. It's like, oh, I'll keep training just to see in case I want to do something else. I ran for maybe like a week and then one day off turned into two days off, turned into three days off. And then suddenly I had like 10 days off and I was like, oh, I guess my season is finished now. <laughs> and um, it took me a long time to actually get back into real training. I think I took me about two months of mm -hmm. the sort of like couple of days on, couple of days off, like back and forth. Um, and it really, it wasn't until my training group, I realized none of them were training together. They're all too busy working. They're all um, students at the University of Michigan and PhD or grad programs are like, guys, you gotta get together. Very nice track club. Come on, we've got like an identity now. You gotta be training, but they weren't rallying. It's like, gosh, really, I'm gonna have to start doing it myself. Um, so yeah, I finally started getting back into some semi-serious training to rally the troops. And um, that was what I needed to, to get going. and maybe three or four weeks of, of training, I realized, okay, I might actually be re ready to do another season. I wasn't sure if that was my last ever race in Tokyo, but no, I'm um, with about 10 weeks before the Olympic, before the new year. I said, like, okay, I think I can um, rally another season. So here we are. I'm, I'm curious too, cause you've been doing this, you've been doing this for a minute, but at elite level for the, what, for the past 20 years, since like breaking four and everything, like what's that feeling like to where you're all like, yeah, I think I can, break four minutes in the mile like what is it feeling is it a feeling like just in your legs is it something in your confidence is it a time that you put through intervals where you start feeling like yeah four under four minutes is definitely doable for me right now well for me what i love about the mile first and foremost is it's like the perfect marriage of speed and endurance right mm -hmm. it's fun you get to train all facets of the body um and so I don't have any confidence that I can run a good mile until I know I can hit all of the different energy systems well. 
I can confidently like manage like a two hour long run talking with my friends the whole time that I, that's not a challenge but I can also sprint with the youngest kids in our group and do strides and feel like I got spring in my legs all of the other stuff in between slowly takes care of itself I've always sort of joked like I'm pretty sure anyone can run a sub four who can do a sub 20 minute four mile tempo run. Remember tempo run is like a controlled effort. Yeah. So you're running under control and in that same state of fitness, they're able to do a sub 12 second, 100 meter stride. If they did a rolling start, hit the watch, did it at like a 90% effort. And if they can break 12 seconds there, I guarantee you that person can break a four minute mile. Um, I think that pretty much stands true. and. I may not have quite that speed right now, but the endurance is definitely there. And but um, my long speed is, is decent. I can hit some fast 300s at the end of a workout. Sub 12 may not be there anymore, though. Well, you got that man strength. You don't need that. You, you got that man strength. You don't need that, that speed anymore. Dad strength. College kids and high, college kids <laughs> and high schoolers, you just got a measuring stick on what it takes to break four. Also, too, like, what do you think about, like, like they say the speed is like the first thing to go, but what is your feelings about just like muscle memory for you? Like at this point, you've been doing it over and over. Like, like how many workouts does it take for you to just be like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in shape. I'm ready to do this. I wasn't sure if like, cause as I said, like the middle stuff almost takes care of itself. If you got the speed and the endurance, like the race pace stuff almost just takes care of itself. And I wasn't sure if that was still going to be the case now that I'm 38. But it still has been that this year as well. Um, one thing that we, and I, I say we because most of us in our training group did this, except for Mason and Hobbs, we played rec basketball on Monday nights this season. We had played in like a competitive league. Like these are good players, like D2 basketball level. Um, and we're playing one or two games a night each week. And that kept our fast twitch fibers going. And so the transition to that race pace stuff actually came a lot quicker. As I said, we've been running some fast 300s at the end of workouts. And it's, it's December, like normally that wouldn't click until February. And I think doing that, playing that basketball season has helped keep the speed going a little bit more. But yeah, the muscle memory is there from years after years. And also just that the psychological element that you know how it should feel it. It shouldn't feel easy. It shouldn't feel hard. It should be in that sweet spot where it's like just a toothache. It hurts, but you can manage it, right? Wait, you guys were in a, a rec basketball league? Like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this I feel like this just goes against everything that I ever believed. Like, shouldn't you be resting? Like, what's the what's the philosophy just behind that playing in the rec basketball league? And who who's the scorer? Who's the defender? Main defender on the team? Like, who's MVP? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Well, it, it comes from the fact that I've been like taking the sport so seriously for 20 years and it's been my job for so many years where I couldn't risk injury otherwise I'd lose my uh, ability to pay the bills right um yeah and so I've been looking to have some more freedom and basketball is my first love of sports I'm not very good at it but I'm a huge fan and I loved playing in middle school that's the last time I played competitively um so but on our training group, we've got a guy named Mitchell Black he's a 147 800 guy he's actually in this race this weekend um in the midnight mile he was all state for the state of maine when he was in high school he was okay. a shooting guard so we we basically deferred a match and we passed to him but <laughs> but the thing is the the league's really good like he's no better than the top two or three guys in each of the other teams um but we play a lot of team ball and we try and get them tired and then the second half we'll make a rally but we'll lose most games by 20 points <laughs> <laughs> now our, our biggest problem is see here's the thing like we're all decently tall with six to six one every single one of us we've got eight mm -hmm. guys in the squad that's not a short team yeah but we've got no one who's actually tall to get the boards and we just get crushed on the rebounds and when the other team can have three or four attempts every time at the other end of the floor it just kills us so that's for the winter season we're going to try and recruit some non-runners to be a part of us just to help us keep our rebound rate decent for like two like you would just have to try and definitely since y'all six one six one you have to try and play like westbrook or patrick beverly like y'all you have to be ultra aggressive and like i know you ain't probably ain't trying to do that every day well know? at least those guys may not be tall but they got long arms and they can jump i've got neither of those assets i'm just semi-tall <laughs> and i can't jump and i don't have long arms so yeah <laughs> I, i'm a good chirper though I, I like i really surprised myself i love to talk the whole game so that I think I get into their heads a little bit.
<laughs> whoever y'all add to the team, they gotta be in shape. Are they gonna be? They gonna be hurting? Cause I know y'all <laughs> <For real. laughs> be running the floor. Um, another thing, going back to the going back to the mile, you you've broken this barrier so many times. Take us back to that first time you ever broke four. What did that feel like? What was that significance for you? Yeah, what's really cool for me looking back at the first one is that I'm not traditionally known as a front runner. If you've ever watched my races, I love to sit in the back and let other mm -hmm. people do the work and hopefully come back with a kick at the end. But that day was different. Breaking four was of paramount importance to me and I was willing to sacrifice the win. And I actually, um, I, I'd committed before the race, I'm going to go behind the rabbit no matter what, because if I don't, no one else will, and it will be a slow race, but I need to break four today. Um, and it was at, at the University of Notre Dame's indoor track at the Mayo Invitational. And it was, it was the top indoor mile in college back then. Um, so all of the top guys from around the country were there. And um, I went behind the rabbit and they all tucked in behind me. I was only a freshman. And after the first lap, my coach was in the infield and he screamed at the rabbit, said, keep going, keep going. But the rabbit was all paranoid and thought he heard him saying, step off the track, step off the track. So he jumped oh. off the track after only 350 meters. And so I was left out there stranded with all of these older guys sitting on my back. Um, but it was OK. The crowd was nuts. And I, I <laughs> stayed in the front until 300 to go. Five guys passed me on that last lap and I managed to get a couple of them back on the home straight and I finished fourth for a 358 and it was one in 357 by a guy named Luke Watson um, from Notre Dame and my teammate Nate Brandon beat me with a 357 as well. So I take a lot of pride that I stopped caring about racing for once and just got, got took care of business and helped some other guys along the way. What would you tell 20 years later, or I guess 19 technically, what would you tell your younger self, you know, you know, before that race, as you're getting ready to go in, what are some things you would have told yourself like now? Uh, that specific race, um, I would have said it doesn't have to happen today. I probably pressed a little too hard early on. So the big thing about the mile is like, especially for people trying to break four, they think they have to be under the 60 second per lap pace. Otherwise they're behind schedule, right? So mm -hmm. if you're trying to break four, you got to be 59 or 159 or 259 through each of the 400 splits. But the truth is like, you're probably best to be like 303 through the 1200 and run a 56 last lap. The, 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 I think the ideal way to run a mile for any ability level relative to their own talent level is to run even pace the whole way, but the last lap should be about two or three seconds faster than the other laps. It's because you stay under the red line, under the red line, under the red line, and then you can tap into the anaerobic power at the end but if you cross that red line you can never tap into that speed so i think i was pressing a little too hard in the early laps thing that i was like worried about staying ahead of pace and neglecting the fact that speed will will make up for that lost time man Aaron, i just well, i'm gonna try and have that patience and on new year's eve <laughs> i i just took notes on that aaron i'm gonna tell my athletes that at norco at the high school tomorrow as well I and mean, we're gonna, we gonna get them down we're gonna get some 420s this year Aaron. we're gonna get some 420s <laughs> the significance that first time is always so sweet do you have any nerves like going for your 20 consecutive is it still i know it doesn't hold that same like aura because you've done it so many times but like did you ever think 20 years later you'd still be able to break four no, no, no. I would have never dreamed I'd want to be still doing at this stage. Like, <laughs> that's probably a, a bigger, bigger challenge is why, why would someone still care about running seriously when they're 38, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm surprised myself, but it's just every year has different reasons and different motives. And it's more I'm just appreciative of the opportunity. It's just fun for me now. I don't really care about the results from a needing to prove myself or to try and get any accolades. Like, I've been so fortunate in my career. I've got all of that given to me mostly, right? Um, and so I think on the start line, sure, there'll be some nerves. You need those, but it's more like nerves for excitement and opportunity. More like when I was a 10-year-old kid getting to yeah. play in a sports league, right? You're just excited. You Let's go do this. Um, and the truth is, like, I feel like this race would be more is more entertaining and more um, of a spectacle for the fans, the fact that it's not a guarantee. So therefore, I don't feel as much pressure. Like, 
if I fail, it shows that it is actually a really monumental challenge. It's not something that's just a given. But if I make it, then it's something that really worth um, celebrating. Um, so yeah, that takes the pressure off a little bit. I don't have to break four in this race, but I'd really, really like to. And I think there's a really good chance that I can. But there's a good chance that I might just miss out as well. Yeah, I think it's really great to just be able to come in with that type of mindset into the race and just makes it, it really just, I think it really just makes it fun no matter what. Like there's not too much pressure into it, just having fun with it. And I'm glad we talked about basketball earlier in this podcast because me and Aaron, when we're coming up with our rundown and just seeing how much times you race basically every single year. And I'm thinking about just because we love watching basketball and everything. And I'm just hearing about like, like KD right now for the Nets, like people are concerned. He's playing so many minutes and, but we're all like people, the analysts are like, KD is just a hooper. Like yep. you're, you're just a hooper. You're just a racer. Like, what is it about just every single year you race the mile? Like a lot, it's not, you don't really like, you're not really like, you're not Kawhi Leonard resting uh, after every, every single, once every year or something, every other year or something like that. What is it that you really just love about racing to make sure that you just keep on getting those reps in and competing all the time? Uh, I don't know if it's any different than other people, but for one thing, like, I really enjoy the feeling like when you are like really fit and tapered and you do all of the stretching and all the drills, like mm -hmm. there's a few moments in the season each year where like, everything just clicks in your muscles and it's an unbelievable feeling but when you're 38 and you can still like reproduce that moment it's like wow you feel like a kid again like it's, it's yeah. like the fountain of youth um because if i wasn't still racing i wouldn't stretch one second of the of the day right i wouldn't yeah. lie horizontal make sure i look after my body and like experience that feeling of tapering so racing is a way to still like give my body that sense of still feeling like a 20 year old um, the other part is I like, there's, there's nothing like those nerves, like they're horrible. Like that, that final two minutes before race, you're like, why am I here? Why am I putting myself through this? But as soon as that gun goes off like that, that changes and like, all right, let's go. Um, and I get to experience that now that I play rec sports and other things and I'm skateboarding again and that, that adrenaline rush. But I think I'm somewhat addicted to that, that high or that adrenaline that is like forced into the moment. No, I 100% I get what you mean. Like for me, myself, I don't compete. I don't compete um, in running anymore. But I found like roller skating is something like I picked up. And that makes me feel like I'm a kid again, just learning like something new or even like us doing like the podcast when we go live and like I get nervous. Like I love yep. to be able to feel nervous before like I'm about to like pour my heart out, heart out into something even at work like if it's just like a powerpoint or something it's like i loved that feeling that you would get before you compete but do you think you'll ever really stop competing and are you eyeing like legat's master's record of 357 i'll be honest i did research it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> to see what is actually the master's record i didn't know legat had run an outdoor mile sub four i thought i knew he'd run the 354 indoors I didn't know he had run an outdoor one until I found that out. So yes, I, I have eyed that a little bit. But secondly, I'm curious about the roller skating. Like we grew up skating like three nights a week all through elementary school in New Zealand, but it was a concrete rink. And um, we've, I, but then I've researched since coming, like I met Rajon Rondo at a game. My agent used to have courtside seats at the Boston mm -hmm. Garden and I got and Rajan Rondo talked to me and this other athlete nearly the whole game when he when he was sitting on the bench and then I found out he was a roller skater and I found out a lot more about it. What's it like skating on the wooden floors? Like in the States, most of the rinks are in like gyms and stuff, aren't they? So I've done both. So when I when I first got my skates, um, I live in I live in Galita, Santa Barbara. So I was just out I was just outdoors. Like Oh you were um, okay. But the, I love the the indoor. It's like a different culture from like, I feel like outdoor is a little bit more like free spirit, hippie. And then like when you go like to the adult nights indoors, it's more like dancing, it's more black culture. And it's a lot smoother on the indoor rink. So it's, it's so much, I would highly recommend it. It's so much fun. There's so many like tricks, tricks and dance moves that you can really do. So. I would highly recommend it. I think you 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 know how to skate you know how to skateboard, so I feel like you would pick it up. Yeah, I'm gonna take my kids down to somewhere here in Michigan when we get a chance. 
Isaac, I'm going to try ice, ice skating this winter. That's my next thing I'll do. So then we'll go to roller skating after the, after the ice skating. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Just got to be careful out there, bro. You can be hit, hurt on the roller skate. I, I got I got bruised up the last time I went with Aaron. Aaron, yeah. he a pro, but I'd be out there like, you know, I'd be, I'd be getting better, though. I'd be getting better. Yeah, bit. but there's, there's something about injuries from other sports that is almost enjoyable. It's like you take a knock, but then you bounce back the next day. A running injury is sinister. You don't, it's nothing there. It's like yeah. really minor, minor. You keep training on it and then it ends up being something near out for three months. It just lurks until it's like, gives you a stress fracture or something like that, right? Whereas a, a quick hard knock, you bounce back and it doesn't actually stop you from running. Yeah, you'll definitely try and run on run on it the next day too because you're all like, yeah, I could do this. You can, I could do this. But as we move over to the podcast, we want to talk about the Midnight Mile, just like the event itself, yeah. this gala, like one of the kind. i never seen really anything promoted like this in track and field. Just how did this idea and event come to life? And when it first got approached to you, what did, what did you really think about it? It was at the Olympic trials this last um summer back in june and eugene i was walking with the um founder and ceo of tracksmith matt taylor and he was like nick if you wanted to keep going after this consecutive sub four minute mile streak does it have to be in like calendar years right and i said yeah and he says well if we did something on new year's eve on the stroke of midnight would that count as 2022 and i said yeah i, I guess it would matt and he says, all right, if you, um, after Tokyo, if you like, feel like you're still motivated to train, let's, let's try and put it on an event then. So it was really his brainchild. And, um, so I, it wasn't until I was a couple of weeks into training in the fall that I texted him and said, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this thing. But so that obviously was the initial idea, but the reason behind trying to do something in New Year's Eve was because we wanted to provide an event that was sort of an elevated experience than just a typical track meet right we want to have an occasion a party a new year's eve gala that happened to also have some track races in the background um that's what we're really trying to do something different and creative in the sport that isn't just sort of a retreat of everything that already exists um and coincidentally all through this whole process um along with a lot of the other stuff that i've been doing at tracksmith and what we've been doing is in the background is supporting a guy named Russell Dinkins that you might be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And for those listening who aren't familiar, Russell is sort of the, the guy who's been at the forefront of the fight against all of the university ADs who have been cutting men's track and field programs. So you have William and Mary, the University of Minnesota, Brown University, and the, the most prominent case was um, Clemson, which was the national football champion at the time. Is like, if the national football champion can cut their track program, they've got unlimited resources. Like mm-hmm. that's going to set a precedent that every other AD, if they are really interested in like um, shortening their budget, like tracks going to be, they're going to be lipping their chops. And that's what we're hearing is that um, other schools were ready to do the same thing. But Russell, he fought the good fight and we got in behind him and um, he was successful with the other alumni. To, to get those programs reinstated. So the Tracksmith Foundation has been formed in which Russell is now the executive director and we want to make this New Year's Eve gala a benefit to the Tracksmith Foundation to help Russell continue and double down on his efforts in addition to other um, elements of supporting um, youth participation in track and field. And so that's what this event's all about. It's, it's raising awareness, raising funds and having an awesome party in a good old time and the greatest city in the world for a New Year's Eve party and that's New York City. I love everything about that. Definitely too, like, I think it's great that track and field is starting to get to a point where we're not just like reactive. It's like, we're already getting ahead of it. And that's what I feel like a lot of this foundation is. It's like something implanted in in the in the sport that's help it keep going and help it grow and get better. And I also think the gala as well. Like for me, I don't really have any New Year's plans. I don't really watch the ball drop, but I'll turn on to the to the live stream and Tracksmith and watch Almost my boy Nick me. break four again. Like I think that's super cool. And I think we need to see more more events like this in track and field. Well, and in our live stream, the plan is to try and do something different. Like sure, we are bringing on my favorite runner of all time and a guy that I value as a commentator, Steve Cram. 
to announce my race and a couple of the other key races at the end. But our main stream hosts aren't going to be just reporting the races. It's going to be like a New Year's Eve broadcast. We just talking and having a chit chat and yarn around the party and interviewing different people in the area and um, focusing on things beyond just racing and performances the whole night. Um, but we'll sprinkle in um, races as well. So yeah, we're we're trying to do some things differently. And let's 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 be honest, it may not be executed perfectly, but we're working really really hard to see if we can come up with a, a different um, format to to make track presented in a different way. Is there a musical guest? I think y'all need a musical guest. Like y'all needed like really... I, my, the first name that popped to my mind was Adele for some reason. And I don't know if that that could happen. <laughs> Well, we do have a couple of live performances oh. um, coming. Yeah, we're not quite ready to announce. I, I, I wish I could say it's Adele. It is not anyone who's like a, a feature or a well-known person. But um, yeah, we're going to have some live performance there. Man, y'all need to watch this. Y'all need to tune into this. Come on, we're going to be tuned in for sure. Most definitely. Running the indoor, uh, like trying to get your 20th consecutive on an indoor track in the armory. Was there something... Is there a significance or something more special about doing it on an indoor track and not doing it outdoor, like per se? I know it's a stroke of midnight and in New York, you probably wouldn't want to run outdoors per se, but you could have done it somewhere else. But like doing it indoors, is there a little bit more significance or is it just all the same? Yeah, I've always really enjoyed indoor running. The Armory specifically is the first place I ever raced in America. I came over to run the high school indoor champs in 2001 before mm -hmm. I came to college. Um, so yeah, it's the first time I was ever in America to race. And so it's sort of full circle that way. I was trying to break four that day and I only ran a 410. Um, so I get to like run faster as a 38 year old than I did as a senior in high school. Um, but I feel like indoors are more controllable environment. There's no wind. You can sort of guarantee the situation and um, you're less dependent on other factors out of your control. But I just think it's way more entertaining, both from a runner's and a fan standpoint. Mm -hmm. You feel like it's a, it's a more intense environment, and winter's not that fun if you don't have indoor racing. Like that's what makes winter a fun time, and I'm looking forward to it. Another thing too, we know you're a super. You know, every sport. What's cool about this is like every not every sport, but football every year. You know, they have all the big games going on through new years all the bowl games and stuff like that and we know you're a big michigan a michigan fan how concerned are you <laughs> you fan. know we saw we saw what time we saw the time the game is the game is starting and you're probably i, I was like begging the for zone. them to change the to make <laughs> us the earlier game of the night but no uh, it, it's gonna be okay so the michigan um the Michigan um, Georgia game is at 7:30 p.m., so I'm assuming it will take three hours. So they'll go till 10:30. My race is at 12, so I'll get to watch the watch as much of the game as I like. I probably won't focus too much on that because mm. I've got to take care of business. But it means all the other fans and the, and the audience. There's going to be a lot of Michigan people there at the at the night. They will have a a section in the stadium for them to watch the game. My son included. He probably won't even race in the kids' races because he'll want to watch. Hassan Haskins hurdle of all the defenders. That's his favorite player. Um, but the way I look at it is, is like a semi-final. Like if we win, great. Then I get to watch them in the final. If they lose, I didn't want to watch it anyway. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Another question I had just because you're going to be that night, you can kind of be balancing, navigating, like, oh, staying focused on the race, not too much on the game. Like, how do you always stay real focused and navigating, like staying fit and like focused during the holiday season? like as well and you've done this for like 19 years but this time like you can run into like sweets or anything like that and a lot of times it is just like natural willpower of just like focus on just like I, I gotta do this eat this i can't be going out too much like that but does at times does it get hard to navigate trying to like i gotta break four at this new that's new year's eve like i'm trying to chill well, at new year's eve you know the, the good thing is is that christmas is on race week so i actually let myself do whatever i want on race week relatively from a diet mm. standpoint like all of the taking care of myself is in the weeks leading into it then you got to like have a let yourself your body like sure. recharge again um so yeah it works out a little bit better that way what's it like too no. being with the same being with ron warhurst being with the same coach since you were at michigan for so so long what's that relationship like and how much does that how do you, much do you think that contributes to your, your longevity 
yeah it's 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 a huge part of it um i guess our relationship has changed so much over the years i came over as a 19 year old to a foreign country so i was away from my family so he obviously became another father figure for me over the time um and then we had our we had our conflicts every year like it's like any other relationship right and so we spar but he knows how to um, push the right buttons and when not to push them but most special of all is how he really um, embraced my family. So when I got married, my wife had no background in running, but he invited her. He said, no, come along, come down to practice. And he sort of took her under his wing and he, he mentored her. And she just ended up becoming a really great coach in her own right, because she's been mentored by one of the greats in the sport for the last 14 years. And now he's like a grandfather figure to, to our sons. And him he get he he will take calls from my wife i always call him he never answers but then when my wife calls him he'll answer within a second so they almost a lot closer than they love having fun talking smack about me behind my back and um and what's really cool now is that his son is 19 and mm. i see him as the peer now he's on this basketball team that we were talking about so me and luca boys and he's like a, a big brother to my sons um so yeah it's 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 much more like a family experience and if I didn't run, I wouldn't get to see Ron anymore. So like, of course, I'm in my, I want my family around that environment. It's, Ron's such a magnet personality. There's always a lot of people around that. And we want our family to be around that environment as well. Yeah, it's really cool just to see you now, like in your career with like Ron and your family, then like the family of like Mason and Hobbs and everybody else and very nice track club. It just seems like good times, even with like your guys' vlogs that you did sort of uh, during the track season and stuff. And me and Aaron were kind of thinking, especially with like you, Hobbs and Mason, like and with Ron as well, like what is your the best? Because uh, I feel like it's such a unique situation with like a 38 year old and then Hobbs being 18 or, or 19 now, then Mason being like 20, 24 or something. It's a unique situation. So we try to compare this to like other sports teams like in the past, like right now, I feel like you and Hobbs are kind of like LeBron and AD or like LeBron and Kyrie. Uh -huh. And then Aaron even made the the analogy that you guys are more like back the Lakers and Showtime where you got Hobbs like magic. And then you're like Kareem and Mason could probably be James Worthy and then just make a as well. So like, what would you think? Like if you could think in, in mind, like what do you think comparing very nice track club to like another sports team of some other, like what do you think the best uh, analogy would be? Yeah, I haven't really thought of it that way. I guess Kareem would be a good example. And then whoever they had come in, was Magic older than James Worthy was younger than Magic, right? He was younger. He was a rookie. Yeah, I don't want to call Mason Magic. I don't want to give him that satisfaction. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, what's really special about our group, and it's because of runners, it's not just the runners. It's all of our close people are very welcome down there as well. So family girlfriends wives um parents kids all of that sort of stuff like we have an eclectic mix of people we've got a gentleman named david cohen he's a retired professor at the university dr cohen we call him he's 77 he runs like 30 marathons a year he jogs he runs at like a 12 minute mile pace so he never mm -hmm. runs with us but he's part of our group he houses runners whenever we have people from out of town come into town he puts them up in his extra little barn and We've just got a really unique group of people down there and that it stops there from ever developing this hierarchy of politics and stuff like you get humbled pretty quickly if you ever think that you're the man like it, it takes it away it's like no we're family it's 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 like it's like how you have your auntie at thanksgiving or whatever right you got to watch what you say because she's going to make sure she hears what happens um We'll we'll keep each other in check is, is a really good way to say it. But we all have a lot of fun. You say 33 marathons? That's wild. He's, he, and he didn't start running till he was 60 because he um he was a tennis player in college way back in the day. He found his new love. From that, like he him finding his new love like around like 60, 60, you kind of found a uh, new love as well, like being partnering with Tracksmith and like being on like that team and like transitioning into the athlete experience brand manager. Just like how has that been working with Tracksmith over these like past what like two years now and just transitioning on from that? I count myself as so lucky. Like the timing of it with the pandemic just starting and um 
a lot of uncertainty in the world. The fact that I got to jump into a startup, like it's an established company, like it's a very well known brand and there's a lot of money mm. into them, but we're still a startup. I was only the 24th employee and now I think we have close to 40. Um, it's been so different than I ever thought this path that I've taken. My wife and I always thought we'd be self-employed people. We couldn't have bosses, right? After doing this mm. for so many years as a professional runner. Um, but it's been really fun, like just taking a step back and be willing to learn. I feel like I'm back in college again, but I happen to be working on projects which actually have an end result that the real world gets to like, it's not just the professor grading your papers and throwing it away. All of the projects we actually work on in the real world actually get it put out there and, and try it out on the, the test of fire. So that's what I really enjoy. And this event is a, is a probably a rubber stamp on why I needed to work for a company not on my own is because I get to help manage this project, putting together this event. But really it's like leaning on all of the expertise of people and all these incredible um, areas of knowledge that I have no skill set in from all of the, the graphic design, all of the event management, all of the different um, components that go into it. Um, but I get to just be one little cog in, in the wheel as opposed to trying to be the, the master of everything. But really, I would just, I just would have been a chump at everything probably if I tried to do it all, all on myself. I just imagine that's really just a, like a humbling experience too, like how you just alluded to of the fact of like, you thought you would be an entrepreneur like the rest of your life and track and field is such just a independent sport on its own. And now being like thrown into with all these group of people and like seeing, seeing all these like, and like taking at times you can take it for granted, like what this person does for you, this person does for you or something like that. But now you get to see like firsthand, like, man, like a lot of, there are a lot of talented people, like specific and his expertise. And we come together, we can put together something like this, this midnight gala, this Tracksmith midnight gala that really is going to be great for this sport. And Tracksmith have done such many, such, such great things besides this, that's just been different. Like what else do you kind of want to see without like giving stuff away that you guys may have in the works, but are there anything else that you want to see like in the sport that can be like done differently, not done differently, or like something new that you want to see approached like, like a gala, for example, but something different from that? Yeah, I we we haven't even talked about this, so I have no idea. And we don't want to be an events brand, obviously. Like we're a running brand, but events can be a part of that. But as a fan of the sport, I would love to see something done better with relays somehow. Like we really haven't tapped into that side as much. Um, and cross country as well. I think the trials of Mars guys gave cross country a go a couple of weeks ago, but there's something there that for whatever reason the the everyday runner who enters in marathons and half marathons they would never enter a cross-country race like that idea like terrifies them but so we need to somehow figure out how we can tap that into the to the the everyday runner as well but but mostly and going back to the humility stuff i thought it'd be hard but it's easy when you're like so an awe of the the genius of so many people in different areas like it's fun to actually just take a step back and learn from them yeah and i'm sure that like just fuels like your creativity too i mean we know some of the people on the tracksmith team so many cool people doing so many amazing things there too another question i mean we're kind of getting to the the end of the interview but but that's pretty much all we got, but we got a few closing questions that we wanted to ask you. And one of this comes from when we had Will Lear on the podcast. We asked him this question and he said that I think the person probably even even better equipped to answer this would be you. So who are like some of the your top five favorite milers of all time? People that you've raced with or from the past, or who are some of your top five favorite milers of all time? I think Steve Cram and Jim Ryan are the ones that I've enjoyed watching on TV the most. Like we're going back to old YouTube videos, just mm -hmm. yeah, super long, elegantly bouncy strides. And the times that they ran back in their eras would match up to the equivalent times today, right? When Cram ran his 346 world record, he was loping along and then dropped a 53 last lap. When Jim Ryan ran a 351 on the, um, what was it that bitumen or whatever the um crushed gravel surface was whatever uh, we crazy. call that 
he ran a 51 or something for the last 400 after leading the whole way prior to that. It's unbelievable. Um, I always enjoyed how willing Alan Webb was to push it from the front and to not hold back. Um, I could never ever run like that, so he'd be up there. And two more: Alan Webb, Steve Crown, <laughs> uh, Jim Ryan. I mean, as as a kid, Al Garouge was my favorite, and he was the world record holder. Uh, one more. Um, Daniel Coleman, the 5K, 3K guy, when he would step down and try and go against the um, the 1500 milers, he wasn't afraid to go with El Guruj. I was impressed. Like, I think he ran a 3:45. Um, it was pretty amazing for a for a distance guy to step down without the speed. Jeez. I love Jim Ryan. That that his times are for that era is just so insane that he was running that in like leather spikes on dirt dirt tracks definitely one of the goats but yeah, also I hope, like, his, I hope his legend has never lost <laughs> definitely bro people don't people don't appreciate it to be honest like the stuff that he's he didn't he run like at 18 he ran like 144 or something 143 uh, like that's, and the training he did was absolutely nuts it was unbelievable i've never trained a quarter that hard so his, his coach was a madman but it, it got him the results definitely but speaking of milers who are who's your favorite miler to watch currently right now in the game uh it's fun watching cole hawker race like i always yeah, like yeah, think yeah. okay he's gonna be done for the <laughs> season he's gonna be tired right yeah but like he he always he's 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 surprised you every single time obviously like hobbs kessler's gonna be my favorite to cheer for and i want him to beat all those uh -huh. guys but last year is fun watch Cole Hawker race and then this is one of these questions right here this is a conversation that me and Aaron have been having back and forth actually probably now we've been having it before this but we really were talking about it when we were in Kansas City and uh when we were commentating <laughs> oh, that yeah. meet and we got to see uh like the Masters race we we're commentating we got to see Dan King go out there and race too like how long do you think like do you think it'll be breaking five minutes when you're 60 how long we know you got this four minute streak and soon enough it's, it's gonna like Soon enough, that streak's gonna die. But breaking five minute, how how long can that streak go? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm gonna um, race the mile <laughs> later, but I, I I applaud those guys who get after it. Matt Taylor, my boss, is he's 46 or 40, I believe. Um, he's he's gonna try and run a sub five as well. So I'm impressed with that. But but um, I'm gonna try and run 400s and 200s when I'm a Masters. I've decided like. It feels like a different sport. It's not what I. Then I feel like I can still improve. But if I stay doing the distances I do, I feel like I'm just a slow old man, right? Um. So yeah, I, I went to a meet the other day in Grand Valley State, just a small college on the mm -hmm. west side of Michigan, and I entered the the C800, and I was watching all these like F 200s or G 400 meter heats. It's like that looks like fun. I'm gonna do that when I'm older. Like go to these college meets and try and run like 53 seconds or yeah. 24 seconds for the 200 against some of these um not like top tier collegiate athletes are they getting in blocks yeah yeah you gotta run on blocks if you do those races but that probably helped me intense. run a good mile as a motor because speed is the thing you lose if you don't use it right yeah those quick races i'm just afraid i'm gonna pull something like at that at that age <laughs> to be honest well you will if you're not trained for it but that's the point like it will force me to do the stuff in the weight room and it will keep me young for longer so i can keep playing basketball or do these other activities i really just want to see you versus lagat when you when y'all are in your 60s just two <laughs> he'll crush me he's so smooth and then as, as we start closing towards the podcast too, towards our final questions, we always like to ask this question. Definitely have somebody like you on the podcast, like who do you think we should get next to come on? Like sometimes we don't be, we be like, who should we get? But uh, to have your advice of who would be a great guest on the podcast, who do you think? Have you ever interviewed Garrett Heath? No, you haven't. He's my favorite guy in the sport. Like he's the nicest guy ever. And he's done some pretty interesting things. Um, definitely. He's, he's, he's raw as well. Like he's, He's the runner's runner. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend him. He's, he's your he's your, your your runner's, your favorite runner's favorite runner. Yeah, that's right. But uh, last question, then we'll get you out of here. 
like to ask this question to everybody on the podcast, but like, uh, who do you, or what do you want to be remembered as, or who do you want to be remembered as a runner when it's all said and done, you hang up the spikes and not running anymore? Who do you want to be remembered as? Yeah, from a running standpoint and a running community, someone that just loved his sport and enjoyed it um, at the best of times and the worst of times. So sure, I've had some great results, but I also enjoyed it later in life or when I've had injuries and all that element. So enjoyed all facets of the sport from the training as much as the racing and all of the people that I met along the way made the most of it. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the podcast, y'all. December 31st, the stroke of midnight, Tracksmith Midnight Mala, Midnight Mile, the Tracksmith Gala is going down, right? You all need to all tune in. Go ahead and watch. It's going down 20th consecutive time, breaking for 20th second of the year in a row. Aaron will be watching. They need to watch too, isn't that right? Yeah, make sure y'all tap in and donate to the Tracksmith Foundation. Nick, where can, where can people go and donate online? Is that just on tracksmith.com? Is there a place? Yeah, the tracksmithfoundation.org is our website for the foundation. But you can find all the information about the event on out through the tracksmith.com website. And on the live stream, we'll have donation options as well. Yeah, so make sure y'all tune in. This is gonna be like something you've never seen before. And I'm super excited to see it develop over the years. This is the first time. So maybe Adele will be there in two or three years. <laughs> who who knows? Hey. But I, I'm super excited for this event. I'll be tuned in for sure. This Friday, this Friday, y'all y'all need to watch this Friday. Appreciate you so much, Nick. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, guys. Welcome back to the Two Black Runners New Year's Eve celebration. I know it's not New Year's Eve, it's on the Tuesday, but it's the last Two Black Tuesday of the year. Wow. Y'all just heard from the amazing Nick Willis breaking mm. down. I was taking down notes at the end, talking about him breaking down the, the mile and just everything. It was just a great opportunity to be able to talk to Nick, bro. That was amazing. I love how much Nick Willis is a, a, a sports fan. For real. You know what I mean? I just love how he's not just... He's been in for so long, but he's not just like so caught up in just like the running aspect. He likes to play basketball. He likes to he likes to watch football. He likes to skateboard, bro. Yeah. Like this dude is a kid. This dude is a kid at heart. And I really love that about him. It was definitely an honor to be able to speak to one of him, speak to him like one of the greatest milers of, of all time, in my opinion. Oh, for real, for real. You know what's crazy, too? Like, him being such a big sports fan, it's really unfortunate that he lives in Michigan. Like, I'm being for real, though. The Detroit Lions. Detroit basketball. Come on, man. Detroit Lions. Hey, hey Michigan, Michigan, Michigan Wolverine, they doing though, good. They get, it, they get it done, though. Yeah. They get it done, though, for real, for real. But honestly, bro, very nice track club. Best pro team in Michigan. Very nice. <laughs> Best pro team in Michigan. I'm going to put it out there right now. Ooh, that's but, a hot take. Hey. Come on, man. We coming with the hot takes. You know, we have to get our two cents in on a New Year's Eve celebration for two black runners going into 2022. But let's talk more about the mile. That's why we're here. That's what we're talking about. This midnight mile. The best going event down in track and field. With Nick Willis, bro. Bring back the mile. And we just talk, start off here, bro, as we analyze what he's going to do on December 31st going into the new year on the January 1st of 2022. Will he break the four-minute mile barrier, Aaron? Most definitely. Before <laughs> before he was on our podcast, before this came out on the City's Mag podcast, he went on to say, I think I'm in the range. I could I could run his 358 to 402. If I were to predict my time, I'd say 359.7. So that's only just getting right under the four-minute barrier. And you already said your take before I was done. So. Yeah, I, I 100% believe that this man is going to break four. Like, you know, he's done it for for 19 consecutive years <laughs> like i really am a believer in muscle memory and old man strength and he got both of those on his side i really feel like it just takes a couple workouts for him and he knows exactly what it feels like to to get it there so i think it'd be it you know he'd have to trip and fall in my opinion to not break it like i think he knows how to just get right under it like if you like it's like it's like for me breaking five like if you told okay, me like bro. hey Aaron, go break five right now. And I haven't ran in like a whole a whole month. I could go around 459 easy. Should we do that? We, we might have to run it, bro. Should we do that? We might have to run so it. So you say if we went outside right now. Yes. We could just do it on the street. We could do it on the street right now. I would break five easy, bro. 
I don't even have to put on running shoes. I go run in vans. Stop. Converse. Stop. Stop. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Let's move on to the next topic. But let me get my take, bro. I, I'm with you, bro. I think Nick Willis will break it. But I think the main reason for that is just because when interviewing him, this man was so relaxed about it. He was like, dude, I'm really just going to have fun with it. Like, it's it's interesting that I may not break it. Like, he doesn't have to break it this day. Like, it's not even like, oh, it's the Olympics. I have to break it here. Or, like, this is my last race of my life. He has the rest of 2022 to get it out of the way. But just the fact that, dude, this ran, this, he ran 335 at the Olympics in 2021. Like, I know he's just coming back from training. He, he was describing, like, he's kind of just now getting really back into it. But, like, bro, he's been doing this for 19 years. So, like, I don't – I definitely if Hobbs and Mason are in there pacing him too, like, I don't see why he wouldn't break it. And soon enough, he's going to break it for this 20th year. It's just how far he's going to go. He's going to get 25? Like, I don't know. Who's going to – who's ever going to break this record? That's what I'm thinking. Well, I think, too, like, if – if Michigan wins on that day in the football game against Georgia, I think I think that's gonna help him too. That's gonna give him that energy. But if they lose, he might be a little hurt going into it. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe going with some vengeance. Mm, it just, it's all about perspective. It it's depends about perspective. on how how he looks at. It. He might be too happy if they win, be a little bit too relaxed. But I think that will play a factor in how he performs. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. But either way, though, walking away from this, however long Nick Willis's career lasts and running professionally, like his legacy, what he's left on this sport is going to be just it's going to be bro. great. It's going to be super great. We talked about in the beginning, he's a multiple-time NCAA All-American at Michigan. When he was at Michigan, his team had the world best for the DMR as well. He's broken four minutes in a mile 19 times in a row for a year. And then he's, like, the list can go on, a four-time world championship finalist, a silver, silver Olympic medalist, and a 15 bronze Olympic medalist Jeez. and the 15. Like, the dude is is crazy good. And with this record on top of this, all I'm thinking about, Aaron, in the discussion that we were kind of having, having off wax is all like, Nick Willis, he's the number 64 miler of all time. And like, it's not like on he the ran list, slow. On, on, the list, list, on the list, on the list, 349.83 is his PR, number 64 all time in the event. He's the second New Zealand person ever on that. He doesn't even have the record in, in, the, in the mile. But like... I think it's a valid question. It's like, is Nick Willis, if he's able to become the first person to reach 20 years straight of going under sub four, is he going to be in the conversation as the top 10 greatest miler of all time? I think so. You definitely have to put him in the conversation, bro. Like that type of consistency is not normal. It's more, it's about more than the PR, but first of all, he has a Olympic bronze and Olympic silver. He has a world like indoor medal as well. So Nick Willis is one of the best competitors besides time and how many times he's broken for 20 consecutive years because I'm predicting he's going to break that. Mm. He's one of the best competitors in the mile that we've ever seen. He's always putting himself in the race like you might not even think of you might not even think of him. Like you're like, oh, like Nick Willis is he's done. It's like, no, he's still in it. Like he's been going to the Olympics since like 2004 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the impact that he has had on the sport alone is going to put him in that top 10. What he has done for New Zealand athletics, what has he, what he's done for Michigan athletics, what he has done for the mile. He is someone like a Bernard Lagat to me. Like he may not have like, you know, that world number, like the number two fastest time ever, but 329, that's insanely fast in the 15, but he's just one of those people that just continue to show up and he's inspired so many different milers yeah, to, yeah. to go forward. So I think, just with that alone, you have to put him in the top ten of all time. But when we start going down the list, like I'm, 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 I'm thinking so too. He's definitely in the conversation. If like you want to put him in your top ten, I think you have all the right to because what he's about to do this twenty years, twenty years straight is pretty insane. But like we have like El Garouge, that's one. Roger Bannister, Bernard Lagat, Alan Webb, put throw like Steve Cram in there, throw in Marcelli, throw in Noah Nagay, Daniel Coleman, Sadio Goda, Seb Coe. Jim Jim Ryan, There's a lot like, of good ones. That's eleven people. Can he sneak into that top ten? Is that is that's that a viable? tough top ten? That's a tough top ten that you put in there. But you, like you said, we got to weigh more than we got to weigh more than times, and we got to look at impact that he's had on the sport and influence that he's had on so many different young milers, you know, around the world, and just how he raised the level of athletics in New Zealand. I think that's really important to consider but all those people you named like i can't disrespect any of them and be like no nah, there's no way yeah they're on the list because all those people you named are very great as well but we gotta 
when we're going when you're going off time you just get a little you get a little caught up you gotta look at the influence that they had and the impact that they've had on the sport and let's talk about the stuff that he's also doing off the sport i mean outside of the sport with with tracksmith too that's yeah, yeah. that's game changing yeah cha- game changing things there as well so I definitely think he could crack that top ten. It just depends on how you how you're gonna put together that list and what what are the what are the rankings? You know, what are you taking in? So I'm gonna leave that question up to you guys, bro. I think that's something that we can't ever really answer unless you're just gonna leave it up to the top ten, like all time best performances. But it's definitely a worthy conversation. I think Nick Willis is definitely in that conversation of being a top ten miler of all time. I don't even mention Jacob Ingerbrigsen, bro. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, too, man. He's you, number nine all time in PR. Yeah. So, like, he could, he could bump him out in a couple of years. But, no, nah, Nick Willis is definitely in that conversation. We got to pay respect. To, we got to pay respect, though. I know people get hyped off of the LeBrons and stuff. We got to we gotta pay respect to the ones that paved the way. You know, people get hop, hyped this off guy, of Newberry bro. Park oh and stuff. Oh, my gosh. And they be thinking Newberry oh Park would be God. able to beat a team with Cesarek, Fitzum. And Lucas versus Bickus, we gotta pay respects. No disrespect. Bro, Rory, no dis- Rory, no Rory. disrespect. No Rory, disrespect on, on, to New Bell. Is- no, no disrespect to Newberry Park, though. But we just gotta make sure we pay our respects. You know what I mean? Bro, we supposed to be talking about Tracksmith, Midnight Mile, and stuff. But Rory Linkletter, hold on, bro. That ain't insulting. Let's Whoa. be that, let's be straight up. That ain't Whoa. insulting, bro. Nico, Whoa. you're you're right. You're right. I wouldn't say it's insulting either. That is not insulting. You guys are all on that level. We got Lex, Leo, and Aaron as juniors. We don't know what they're going to do next year. That's good. So I'm just saying, bro, like, I'm sorry if y'all just coming in and we, we ranting, if y'all don't know, but, like, Roy Linkletter said that that list that we made last time on the podcast about Newberry Park versus all-time 2010 greats, that's insulting. I don't think it's insulting. Rory, if you want to come on the podcast and talk about that, we can do that. I don't know if it's insulting. We can discuss this. I don't know if it's insulting, but it's something. I don't know what word to put on it. But there, it's something, ain't it, Rory? I feel you. It ain't insulting, but it's something, huh? Because these boys, we know what they did. Come we know on, what man. they did, too. They the greatest high school cross country. Okay, let's, let's move on. Bro. King we're supposed to be talking about, be talking about the Midnight Mile. You feel me? We dressed up. New York experience. Hey. But that's basically all we got for Nick Willis, bro. We analyzed it. We know he's going to break this barrier. If it's not on New Year's Eve day, New Year's Day, it will happen in 2022. The dude's a beast. 20 years straight coming in his future. Believe on it right now. We said on the podcast, you feel me? And he's in the conversation of being a top 10 great. The only thing we have to go on now is like, who are our top five favorite milers of all time? We oh, had Will man. Lear do it earlier in the year. We had Nick Willis share his. Bro, we got to share some of ours. Hey, man, being a miler, you know, that's my favorite event. 15,800, you know, middle distance guy. I hold, I hold the mile near and dear to my heart. But, you know, my number one favorite, We not, I'm not going to put these in order, but, you know, I just got to always pay respects to my, to like my track and field idol, Bernard Lagat, mm. number one, most, most influential uh, athlete in my life. So shout out Bernard Lagat. One day, I hope we can have him on the podcast, but he's in my shout top five. I gotta go Lagat. I gotta go El Garouge. Remember growing up watching all those races of him going crazy. Gotta go Centro. Love, love Centro. Love the tactics that how he raced, how he races still. Gotta put Centro even there. Gotta put my boy J Mac. J Mac. Jordan McAmare, bro. That dude, one of the only black dudes, black dudes out there. So that was super impactful for me. Watched him. Also loved the tactics. Loved the beautiful kick. And last but not least, y'all know who I got to pick. My boy, Chris Chavez, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, he going to break five this year, boy. No, I just <laughs> No, no, you are on break five. But I got to say Cole. I got to say my boy, Cole Hawker, the up and coming, bro. Up and coming. It's, it's, it's hard between Cole Hawker and Chris who to pick, bro. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick between that's those two. Decision. That's decision. But that's my top five. That's a good top five. That's yeah, a good top yeah, five. I got though. I got Bernard Legato on my list, too, bro, because the bulging eyes coming down off that slingshot and off that curve, bro, it's like it's unforgettable, most definitely. Centro's on there as well. 2016 medal. Like, I think that will go down as one of the most memorable things watching on tv for me like as a sport event that was that was crazy leo manzano as well when he got that when he was that second place when, when, did, he, when did he get that that was in 2012 yeah 2012 yeah I that kick that. was crazy that kick was crazy too and get to see leo manzano like that was like right in the time when i started running cross country as well and then you like talked at our at the junior olympics and stuff so leo manzano is definitely up there then i gotta put on some ladies on there stefana san is up 412 bro 412. Safana San is, is the beast. She's like, a monster. She's a monster, bro. Safana San definitely 
on there, then I know this may be controversial right Uh-oh. here. This may be conversational. Hey. <laughs> controversial, but Shelby Houlihan as well. Like, Shelby Houlihan, what she was doing, I, it sucks that she has this five-year ban, but how she was making, like, the American Milers back competitive while Stefana Song was running 412, like, it was it was crazy. She's super fun to watch, like, racing. Hopefully, after five years, like, she's back. Or maybe it'll be cut down. I don't know. I, I'm not here to talk about that, those semantics. But, you know, Shelby Hulan, I really liked watching her race and just the intensity that she provided going into it. She was definitely one of my favorite racers. Bro, another um, woman that I, I really loved watching was Jenny Simpson, bro. Mm-hmm. Jenny Simpson in the 15. Like, back in the day when we had the Jenny Simpson. And back in the day. It wasn't that long ago. But the Jenny Simpson, uh, Shannon Roberry battles, those were epic, bro. And they were really before Shelby, you know, yeah. putting us on, putting us on the map, doing their thing. So love them too as well. We got, I, I got to include some, some, uh, some women on my list too. But now I'm going up to like seven now. Chris, I gotta, I gotta bump you off, bro. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us for our New Year's Eve experience, bro. The last Two Black Tuesday of 2021. It really was a wild ride. Make sure you guys tune in to watch Nick Willis break this swim for barrier or just watch out whenever this comes out or in the show notes we'll have it available or something wherever you can stream this watch this let you know exactly follow nick willis for you know when this is going down and everything because it's, it's an exciting event make sure you guys tune in with tracksmith bro check out that tracksmith foundation for more information or if you want to donate or anything like that bro we really do appreciate you guys joining us on this like kind of a little bit of different vibe had a little bit different vibe into it had an interview had a little bit of analysis at the end we want to do kind of more podcast podcasts like this in the future so let us know if you guys liked it or anything like that yeah man make sure y'all tap in with that midnight mile and again we appreciate everybody that supported us through 2021 we can't wait for 2022 so many opportunities going our way hopefully we could be out there at some more track meets doing some commentary doing some interviews Mm. and just really like bringing you know that culture to the sport man so i appreciate everybody that listened this far into the podcast hey and look out for our 15 new shows coming on deck man so 2022 it's gonna be the biggest year for us i'm predicting it right now let's get it hey we try to level up every single year bro thank you guys for joining us have a blessed, have you, hope you guys had a Merry Christmas, have a blessed New Year, and great things going your way. Yes, That's sir. It.